All right, here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. I'm Jeremy Jackson, host of the Sports Medicine Broadcast. We're back with Dr. Prasarn talking about differential diagnosis for on-field cervical spine injuries. Dr. Prasarn has been on multiple times as we've interviewed him here at the Sports Medicine Update. Arms are looking extra swole if you're looking <laughs> at the video. So, Dr. Prasarn, welcome back. And then I got Ray Olivo doing the interview. Um, so, both of you, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. Great, uh, thanks. Thank you so much, Dr. Prasarn. So uh, we're on the heels here of a, a great presentation on uh, arm field cervical injuries. Um, the first thing I wanted to start off with, Dr. Prasarn, is uh, as an athletic trainer, um, you see a kid go down with a suspected cervical uh, cervical injury. Um, what does your initial arm field assessment look like? I mean, I think it's just ABCs, right, and that level of consciousness and sort of mental status. Sure. Okay. Is there something um, when you're on the field that kind of uh, serves as a as an indication that this is something that that needs to be transported ASAP? I mean, I think the number one thing is you know if an unconscious patient you know or, or somebody with a significant neurologic change. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, when um, as an athletic trainer, when you're when you're on, say you're you're uh, you're an AT, that's assuming the. Uh, at, at the head of, the, of that patient that's on the field. Um, what are some things that, uh, you know, and I know in my experience, anecdotally, I've seen kids that have, uh, you know, maybe gone down with a head injury and um, they are just hanging out there for, for a little bit. Um, not necessarily a C-spine injury, but maybe a concussion or something else that's um, more muscular um, Is there anything that, you know, again, while you're on the field that would, uh, allow you to kind of differentiate between, okay, this is something that we need to transport, or this is something that, um, you know, maybe we can take a look at them on the sideline for further evaluation. I mean, I think if they're examinable, they're not like the first category we talked about, you know, I I think the real red flags are like significant neck pain, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if they have intractable neck pain, you press on their neck and it it really hurts them. They have to be, you know, high index of suspicion. This is a bad cervical injury. Um, The other thing would be weakness or numbness, Mm -hmm. right? That that's, you know, especially bilateral, like we talked about in the talk uh, versus unilateral, then those people probably should be, you know, spine boarded and taken. Right. So what is the, what does that process look like? Uh, so we get them transported, they get sent to, to you um, over at the hospital. Um, what does that look like for you as soon as you're getting the patient to, to the hospital? So when they first get to the trauma bay, typically evaluated by one of the emergency medicine physicians, um, you know, we, we cover that a little bit. You know, our, our group is um, very um, in tune with athletes and, you know, getting these types of injuries and, and dealing with equipment. Um, so, you know, a lot of it's, you know, sort of immediate equipment removal, um, they're kind of doing the same things you guys already did, you know, mm-hmm. in the field, you know, ABCs and, and, you know, make sure there's no life-threatening injuries. Um, and then the other focus has to be, you know, if they've made it there already, there's a high index that there's something really bad going on, right? So between closed head injury and then a cervical fracture. So immobilization and, you know, make, make sure they're monitoring their neurologic status. Sure, absolutely. Um, and then let's talk about the, uh, so the, the end of that. So you get them stabilized, um, you know, we get them into, uh, are, are they following with neuro then after? After that, after you get them stabilized and so the ER doctors, the way it works is we split call. So the spine surgeons, there's orthopedic spine and then there's neurosurgery does spine too. So sure. we, we split 50, 50. So it's, it's a lot of times whoever's on call, um, you know, I, I know all you guys real well. So yeah. sometimes I get a call before, you know, the patient gets there. And if I'm not on call, I, I still typically want to take care of, you know, your guys athletes. So I'm happy to help kind of thing. Right. Um, when we get them discharged from the hospital and they get sent to their, their normal activities of daily living, um, what are some things that you focus on early on? If this is, if this is a patient that gets to see uh, you know, and spend time with their athletic trainer at the respective high school or junior high, what are some things that you like to work on early on um, in terms of their therapy with their athletic trainers? 
So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a huge benefit for them to all be able to return to you folks for their rehab and, you know, sort of physical therapy. Um, you know, it's, um, it's one last thing we got to order. And, you know, again, I, I'm in good communication with you all. And, you know, we can kind of come up with a rehab protocol together. Mm. Um, but, you know, usually if it's something, you know, like low back strain or, you know, neck pain or stinger, we can usually kind of work together and just some sort of range of motion exercises, strengthening, things like that, you know, and after we've excluded it, something bad, right? Right, right. Um, let's go back to uh, just more uh, significant uh, cervical spine injuries. So uh, you had a, uh, a case study on a um, transient quadriplegic, uh, quadriplegic uh, patient. Um, talk a little bit about how, how that presented or how that typically presents um, on the field. Yeah, so, so I mean, I, th I think it's a good thing, and it kind of ties in this talk. So, you know, the, the football player we talked about had really like a hemiplegic or one-sided pitcher um, and again, even like trained professionals, like ear, good ER doctors I know have mistaken these things for strokes. Um, so you got to go down kind of the differential list of things that could be, um, the kid had a lot of neck pain and that was kind of the, you know, red flag or sort of indicator. This is from his neck and not, you know, a stroke type picture. Um, but you gotta, gotta, gotta take the whole picture, examine the patient thoroughly, take a good history. Yeah, absolutely. What about, um, so you, uh, we'll go back to the kind of the stinger burners that we just mentioned before. Um, you got a kid with a stinger or a burner that you evaluate on the field and you get them to the sideline. Um, and they're still feeling kind of, kind of wonky. They can't, they don't have any of that uh, full range of motion that we're looking for, any strength, uh, improvement in strength. Um, is that something that you continue to monitor on th throughout the, the rest of that particular game? And then on to the next day, what, what's the communication that you're having with the athletic trainers to, uh, for them to disseminate maybe to their, to the athlete and then to their parents over the next, the next 24 hours, say? Yeah. I mean, I think education in these settings is important, especially for the athlete and the parents. Um, you know, most of those resolve within seconds to minutes. Sure. Right. But there, we always, I'm sure, you know, all of us have seen a number that have lingered and been a more of a problem. Um, you know, I guess at the, sort of at the game level, you know, the hope is that it will resolve and then, right. you know, normal neurologic exam, full range of motion, get them back to play. If it doesn't, then yeah, evaluation should be the next day. Um, you know, I, I would say in most cases, uh, the athletic trainers would be still kind of the, the captain of the ship there. Um, but if it's not resolving, then I think it's time maybe to refer to a physician and get some more advanced imaging because um, this could be something different, right? So sure. the whole differential thing, it could be a cervical disc herniation. You know, they could have stenosis because it's a higher uh, chance of having stingers like we talked about. So probably at that point, you know, if it's we're talking, it's over a day of symptoms not getting better. They probably need to be seen by, you know, a spine surgeon. Right, right. Um, I'm going to go back to uh, kind of the implementing a plan. So we'll talk a little bit about EIP right here. Um, what are some conversations that you think that athletic trainers should be having with uh, their local support staff? So EMS, maybe fire, maybe police. Um, is there anything in particular that you think that we should be talking to or discussing with them? Yeah, no, I, I think that's really important. Um, I think the number one thing should be where the athlete's going to go yeah. um, and what type of injury they have, because yep. uh, that kind of really matters then, right? So, so again, sort of in the South Texas area, you know, almost all cervical stuff, if it requires an operation, it's probably going to go to, to Memorial in the medical center. Sure. Um, but you know, if it's something different, head injury, you know, whatever it is, there's other hospitals certainly that are capable. Um, I think you need to talk to your EMS about where they plan to take patients for whatever types of injuries you should be involved in that decision-making. Um, and I think that helps ensure a better outcome for your player. Um, I think just knowing, um, 
the other thing I would mention is, is having a, as far as the EAP goes with EMS and, and for you all is, you know, we already talked about equipment removal, yeah. right? So I think you want to have a plan for that. Right. right? And, and, and I think that also is going to help you ensure having better outcomes for the players. Right. So this may seem like a strange question as well, but um, in terms of, I know you can't really prevent a lot of these injuries. A lot of his education, as you mentioned, like coaches, you know, teaching their players how to tackle with appropriate form. Um, are there other things that you can do, uh, you know, and, and with as athletic trainers, we work with sports performance coaches and whatnot is there is there a educational piece to that where you can have a conversation with say your sports performance coach to possibly prevent some sort of significant um cervical spine injury at all i mean definitely you know it was it was torg in 1976 that advocated for the you know stopping spear tackling right sure, and that yeah. dramatically decreased the number of catastrophic cord injuries they had every year um you probably know better than i do i don't know if there's like if people have a lot of, you know, neck and trap muscle training, does that make a difference or not? I'm not sure it really does. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there, I think there's recently been a lot more uh, of a push for to, to eliminate, or sorry, not eliminate, to reduce concussions. A lot of neck, uh, neck strengthening exercises. So whether it be, you know, in, in forward extension, get some rotational strengthening. Um, I just didn't know if that kind of translated over to <laughs> your realm a little bit more. Yeah, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think there's any data to suggest that that makes a difference. Sure. But I mean, I it certainly doesn't hurt. Right. 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 And, and sort of intuitively it makes sense that like, you know, if you kind of more bulky up top with your traps yeah. and your, your paraspinal muscles that maybe it's protective. Sure. You know, I, I think the more important thing is sort of the proper tackling technique, like you mentioned. Yeah. The, uh, this is might, might be a little bit of a personal question, but um, do you think, is there, is there a way that, or should we be advocating for, uh, especially in, in tackle football, a, sort of a kind of a seminar or a almost like a, a, a tackling circuit that you have to be that you have to have a, a, um, like certification yes yeah, certification or like you as as a, as a player you know you have to go through a, kind of like an acclimatization like we do here in, in houston in, in, in july and in august with yeah. the heat um where we you know we, we slowly start to put on equipment and whatnot um, is there room for advocacy for a poten potential, uh, again, like a, a, a tackling certification where, you know, you get to go, you get through the certain steps of, uh, you know, how to, how to, you know, uh, brace your head, uh, how to bring your hips, you know, et cetera, um, in football. Um, is, uh, have you seen any advocacy for that whatsoever? I mean, I, I haven't, but I think that the data is there, you know, yeah. so the historic data shows that it made a huge difference, right? Proper Certainly. tackling techniques. So I, I think it'd be a worthwhile thing. Um, you know, look at the money spent on just like helmets for, for head injury and concussions, right? right absolutely. So to have like a proper technique seminar or something seems like it would be sort of a drop in the bucket, you <laughs> yeah. know, and you're still, pro you know, and I, although concussions are bad, like, I mean, I guess ultimately some people, you know, commit suicide and things if you know they yeah. have enough you know injuries sure um but you know a single concussion is not as bad as a single spinal cord injury in my opinion yeah you know? no absolutely um jeremy you got anything for me man mm, no i didn't catch the the talk but yeah. so you got yeah no i, I think sorry, anything that you feel like we should i guess reiterate highlight focus on as athletic trainers but i think the important things are, you know, kind of been touched upon already, but just kind of to, to repeat would be, you know, EAP critical, yeah. right? You know, so so every every team, every institution is different, you know, and have a well-rehearsed plan, um, I think, you know, and involving where the, to take the player for, for medical treatment if they need such. Um, I think the tackling thing is a great point, you know, so it's been dramatically decreased in spinal cord injuries when with proper tackling technique. Um, those are probably the two things I'd emphasize the most. 
Very cool. So that's actually one of the things we've been doing all this past year was the medical timeout. So again, we just meet with the EMS and say, hey, this is what we do. Cool. We've met with the directors. Cool. We're going to take the equipment off. All right, good. You're going to take them here. You're going to take them here. You know, obviously life-threatening emergency. You just take them, you know, wherever's best, that kind of thing. So uh, I love that you're just echoing the same things over and over again um, that we as Athletic Exchange need to do. So Ray Olivo, thanks for interviewing Dr. Mark Prasarn. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, the best way is... Don't you have a website? Isn't it markpersarn.com or something? Yeah, I do have a website. So, so yeah, there's a portal on there. People can contact me that way. There you go. All right. So you can look up markpersarn.com or Google that, and then you'll eventually get to that. So, Ray, somebody, the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. So uh, Twitter would be the best way to contact me. Uh, Ray Olivo 20 um, are on Twitter. All right. And, again, this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash on field cervical spine again sports medicine broadcast.com slash on field cervical spine so for jeremy dr Prasar and ray olivo and the sports medicine update live at the memorial herman sports medicine, uh whatever it is sports medicine <laughs> update <laughs> that is a wrap thanks <laughs> thank you thank you